welcome to Here There Be Dragons, a Black Sails podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Lewis. Um, and uh, also, it's going to be a prerequisite, I think, that we clarify on this show in case there are any questions. There are no dragons. <laughs> no dragons. No dragons. Not in this episode. No dragons yet. Yeah. No dragons yet. <laughs> no dragons yet. <laughs> okay. So, brief, very brief recap what happened. Wait, you're just going to go right into the episode? Yeah. Uh, okay, wait, hold on a second. What do you, what do you want to talk about? I just, uh, I just, I don't know. I, this is a, my first time watching the episode actually in years because yeah. when we started rewatching, when we watched the series for the first time this past few months, you had me skip right to episode two because you were like, there's no need to watch episode one again. We watched that for the first time a few years mm-hmm. ago. It's got some bad stuff, but let's skip right to episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something good about that that works with this show because it's kind of what the show is about, which is a lot of imagined backstory between the characters and mm-hmm. a lot of like history. Like it's so in media res, I guess, that like starting for episode two at that when I first started watching it, like, works for me yeah and watching it this time um or watching episode one now for the first time in years um i'm just like i mostly was just like overwhelmed with the introduction of how many plot lines and characters they introduced in episode one they introduced a lot i think it worked really well because i had watched episode one obviously multiple times so that when we started on episode two we were able to pause every once in a while and i could be like Oh, yeah, Singleton was this guy. He killed him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, we didn't need to have so many detailed, like, names and backstories that are, like, really thrust upon you. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I mean, I think this is, like, a risky thing to say now mm-hmm. that because we've given so many, like, uh, um, qualifiers to you should watch this show, Black Sails. Episode one is not that bad. It's not that bad. There are just moments of like awful. Yeah. Ness. <laughs> and, and like specifically for, the orgy. Yeah. And specifically, actually, all the women. Yeah. Have, I was going to say, for all my feminists out there, I promise you this is a feminist show. This episode is absolutely not. It's actually crazy how much they fumbled the introduction of these characters. Yeah. Like they really screw it up. Yeah. They um, really do a bad job. And, um... The only one that I think they succeed at is Anne Bonnie. But even then, Anne is so... Like, part of Anne Bonnie's mystique is, like, she's got the hat tilted down. Mm-hmm. She's the quiet one next to Jack. Like, Jack talks too much and Anne doesn't talk. You know? And, and Yeah, but Anne is the physical threat, which is a total flip of the norm. Yeah, no, it's a total flip of the norm, but I mean in this episode, like, having a character who comes on... And is like doesn't say anything, but like looks like a cool pirate, and then kills someone in one move. It's not a great intro. It's just not like it's just not what mm-hmm. the show is like. And she's so unlike any other of the other characters. There's a part of me that's like that seems fake. That seems like you're trying to make me think that she's a badass warrior, and like. But she is. I know that now after having not gotten to know the character, but I can see why like her being introduced that way at like minute 40 of the pilot mm-hmm. feels weird when every other character has not gotten an explanation but has at least got to talk before they did anything. I really like it because she kind of remains a fairly silent and closed off character throughout the show. There she's 
some intense moments of vulnerability. But for this as an introduction, she is the physical threat, but she's not taken seriously. The guy doesn't think that she's going to do anything to him. He mm-hmm. laughs at her, mm-hmm. and then she murders him. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we see her the beginning of her relationship with Jack or our, our beginning of seeing her relationship with Jack. And I just, in, in this episode in particular, where so much of female sexuality is fumbled and bad. I love that. She just says, I want to fuck. Yeah, that's true. And he's like, okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) She is. I just love that. She seems to be doing exactly what she wants to do. And if she doesn't want to talk, she doesn't talk. Mm -hmm. I like that. I mean, and that's contrasted, like, awfully with how Eleanor and Max are both introduced. Oh, God. Like, Max is introduced as one... Well, first of all, there's just this scene, this orgy scene that is so, like... It's inexplicably bad. And it's, like... Because the thing is, it's not like it's, like, out of place and, um, like different in tone from the rest of the show it's also like not sexy it's like not no. fun and it's not sexy it's and not it's not funny cool, either and it's not funny it's just bad it's bad yeah so i mean it, it does feel like they were really literally trying to copy a playbook from game of thrones and yeah. they did it like not knowing what what is um you know i mean there's a lot of to debate about the sex position scenes in Game of Thrones, but, like, right. to some degree, they are sexy. Like, the show... Sure, sometimes. Well... Not always. <laughs> sometimes they are. But this one is so weird because, well, first of all, I don't think this spoils anything, but in, in this universe, Blackbeard is a real person. So, like, first they're trying to build up this tension that Blackbeard is a real person, and I actually remember when I first watched this pilot thinking that that woman was Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's fucking cool Yeah, that they're having a female Blackbeard. And then she opens up her coat and has this, like, awful wig on her vagina, which just looks so gross and uncomfortable. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I get it. It's everything about it is bad. Yeah. Especially because I, I had a, a moment of hope, a glimmer of, like... That's so cool. Dashed. Yeah. And then, but watching it back, it's made even worse by the fact that this scene introduces us to one of the show's main ensemble members. And it's just... Who I love. Who is... I love Max. I love her. She is so smart and she's such an interesting character in terms of like her, her motives and her goals and her just everything about her is fascinating and wonderful and the fact that she just has to be like one of the whores I guess makes sense because we get to see like how far she goes from where she started but I think the I almost wish that we didn't see her so much in the orgy and that her first introduction was when she holds up the little letter yeah and is like what's this yeah or like she just wasn't part of it. She's just like the Madame. What's the like? No, that feels like she has too much power. If she's the, the well, that's another. The that's another thing is that like I was thinking so much as we were watching this show about or watching this episode about what perspective we are as the audience being introduced to some of these characters because yeah. we're introduced to the pirates mm-hmm. as the victims. Yeah, like we see them as terrorists first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then we introduced her to Eleanor as, like, this uh, 
this big, like, you know, shaking her fist, like, big boss lady of the island yeah. who comes out and, like, sort of awkwardly scolds one of the her entrepreneurs. Yeah. And then Max is, intru- and we see Max is like this whore. And to some degree, like, these are all interesting shells that are interesting to, like, on they're paper. They're all facades. Yeah, they're all facades. Like, they're all exactly how we're supposed, those characters want to present themselves. Yeah. And then we, the audience, like, gets slipped through a little bit and sometimes those like the the taking off of the mask is fun yeah. like when the when the theme song is done we'll get to the theme song in a second okay. and they and the, we see the pirates and the pirate like jokingly removes his false teeth and it's yeah. like it's it's such a, like a defanging not just of the pirates but of like <laughs> what kind of show this is yeah. and i didn't realize what that what what that really meant at the very beginning but yeah it's so fun to watch it back now um but for Eleanor, it doesn't work because Eleanor's, yeah. like, f- fist-shaky thing feels like a facade. Yeah. And her, her like, scolding of that guy in the tavern is not good. And no. it's, like, it doesn't reassert her power. But I almost wonder if it's not supposed to be that good. But I think that they did that on... I think they you know? think that they did that on purpose. Yeah. But the problem... It's set, not clear. But they set us up to not like Eleanor from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> We're Let's, slowing okay, down. Yeah. Like... Pump the brakes. Okay. okay. First of all, one thing. I think Eleanor is supposed to be a lot younger than we think she is. Oh. I think she's supposed to be like 17, 18. Like, I think she's supposed to be really young. And that's why th- this like facade of power and control is so messy and so um, based in her sexuality. Because she's she's young. She knows she's beautiful. So when she's like, that makes my pussy wet. She's kind of trying to use that sexuality and beauty, but not in a successful way. And really, everybody's only respecting her because of her dad. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And, Mm -hmm. like, that is an important part of her character. But I I feel like the writing and acting and all that lets us in on that secret Mm -hmm. earlier than it should because... From the get-go, I do not believe that she has earned that place of power. Yeah. And she hasn't. And, like, that's the yeah. truth. The right. truth is that she hasn't right. and that she's losing control yeah. and that everybody feels it. But for a show in which, like, the status quo of the captainship is so in question when, yeah. like, Flint is presented to us, is so, like, we get right into Flint's pocket. And I feel like we as the audience are immediately, like... This guy means fucking business. Yeah. And, like, he does know what he's doing. Like, he, we are let in on his secret before his crew, you well, know? Well, are we? Okay, we're we're let in on a, a, more than his crew is. We're let in on a tiny piece of his secret. Yeah. But Eleanor, I just feel like the show could stand to let us think that Eleanor is more powerful than she is for a little bit longer before they pull the curtain yeah. back yeah. and show us what is really going on. Because yeah. you want her to be better at faking it. Yeah. Than she is. Yeah. Especially because Max so clearly asserts herself even in this first episode as like she's she she's got power. Yeah. She, she has is. influence and power mm-hmm. and she knows how to use it and she is playing everyone like a puppet or like she's playing everyone like a I don't know if or she, whatever. Yeah, I don't know if she has power, but she knows how to manipulate. Yeah, I guess she doesn't you're right. She doesn't have power exactly. You're yeah. right. But, but that reveal would be so much more interesting if we were presented with Eleanor, who is the power. She's yeah. the she's Eleanor Guthrie. She runs business on the island. Nothing goes in or out without her approval, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, she has this really badass scene with a pirate where she, like, 
you know, yeah. her scene with Vane, it, like, sucks. <laughs> and I mean, Actually, I love the character work that's going on in that scene. Yeah. I love that she punches him, and yeah. I kind of love that he I do too. retaliates immediately yeah. and then extends a hand, and then they have a real human-to-human conversation. Yeah. But I still think it's just too early for us to see the weak side of Eleanor. Yeah. Every interaction she has in this episode is just, we see a little bit through her facade. I mean, really, all I needed was that first interaction with the pirate to be good. Yeah. That's all I needed. But it just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk really quickly about Eleanor and Max. Okay. Because um, I really liked their relationship watching this time around. And I loved that Max wasn't manipulating her when she was with her. I think she was being really honest with her. And just saying, like, I'm here for you, and I want to be your partner, and I want to support you. And that Eleanor needs that person to come in and take care of her, and needs that person that she can be vulnerable around and weak around. So I just really like the relationship this time around. Okay. I got to say, when I was watching that scene, I interpreted it as... Because, like, the beats are literally that she's with Silver, and he says, I need a... She says, I'm going to find you a buyer. Yeah. And then she sees Eleanor. And then she goes up with Eleanor. Well, because she sees the mark on I her know, face. but I... But but there was a moment where I was like, oh, does she think that she can get Eleanor... Oh, to, to buy... buy this, oh. To buy this page of the... I didn't think ...manuscript. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, just beat for beat, because it just happened... Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think that. Okay. Um... I wanted to talk about Silver. Well, I want to talk about Silver all day long. Okay, what's your first impression of Silver? Very first impression of Silver? Yeah. From this episode. Uh, like as a character that I should have an opinion about, or like as a man? Like, what what do I think of him? What's the difference? Well, like as a man, he <laughs> seems like uh, slippery and slimy. Yeah. And as a character, he seems like um, boring. Oh, okay. You mean like entertainment value? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, The things I appreciate, though, are that we immediately get to see how he first becomes a cook. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to look up. I was trying to look up how... Can you pass my phone? Here, you keep talking. Um, That he is very, we see in the very beginning that he's very practical. He hides from the pirates because he literally doesn't want to die. And even when the cook accuses him of being a coward, he's like, no, I'm just being smart. And uh, and we get to start to see how he uses language as a weapon, that he kind of turns his thoughts around on the cook. And then at the end of the episode, we see him like really being impressed and it and admiring Flint's use of language and manipulation. So it it feels sort of like he that's a quality he obviously values and he's kind of a novice observing a master mm-hmm. manipulating this crew, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. I was trying to find the introduction of of John Silver in um Treasure Island uh-huh. to see what Jim Hawkins' first impression of Silver is when oh, he sees yeah. him for the first time. So, um, uh, 
I'm no like um, scholar of Treasure Island or whatever. I just reread it a few months ago, so some bits are fresh. But in case you need to be reminded, Jim Hawkins is given a warning at the beginning of the story to be on the lookout for the one-legged man. Uh, he's given this warning by Billy Bones. He says, I, th- I forget exactly what phrase he uses, but I think he says, don't trust or look out for the one-legged man. Um, and uh, the plot continues, and Hawkins gets a hold of the treasure map, and he gives it to the doctor and Squire Trelawney, and they get together a crew for uh, an expedition to go retrieve the treasure. And it's all going to be all totally legal and done under, like, British banner and totally by the book. Um, But Trelawney, I think, is the one who says, uh, the man that I found to get to bring us the crew is this man named Silver. And we hear about Silver a lot before we actually meet him because Mm -hmm. Silver helps them get most of the crew together for the Hispaniola. Um, But the first time... Uh, the first time Hawkins says him, he says, this is the part of the book. He says, as I was waiting, a man came out of a side room and at a glance, I was sure he must be Long John. His left leg was cut off close by the hip and under the left shoulder, he carried a crutch, which he managed with wonderful dexterity, hopping about upon it like a bird. He was very tall and strong with a face as big as a ham, plain and pale, but intelligent and smiling. Indeed, he seemed in the most cheerful spirits, whistling as he moved about among the tables with a merry word or a slap on the shoulder for the more favored of his guests. Now, to tell you the truth, from the very first mention of Long John in Squire Trelawney's letter, I had taken a fear in my mind that he might prove to be the very one-legged sailor whom I had watched for so long at the old Benbow. But one look at the man before me was enough. I had seen the captain, and Black Dog, and the blind man Pew, and I thought I knew what a buccaneer was like, a very different creature, according to me, from this clean and pleasant-tempered landlord. So it's yeah. So th- so there's something about the introduction of Silver in this story that's like this guy's not this guy's not Long John Silver. Like this yeah, guy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a, a like a story about um, how he becomes literally Long John Silver, but yeah. also how he becomes a pirate and how he becomes vicious and how he becomes all these things. Um, but it's clear that there's something. I, I, there is a mirroring there that yeah. like he is he's disarmingly cheerful yeah like they're they're he is being very upbeat yeah they're being <laughs> raided <laughs> on this boat and like it's not clear if there will be any survivors yeah. like pirate attacks don't and i think that has to go along with his his confidence in himself yeah like he he we see that he is fearful of things that's why he hides from the pirates yes but okay but hold at the on same a time he's also like extremely confident that he's going to be taken onto the crew. He's not fearful. He doesn't seem afraid. He's being smart. He's yeah. trying to survive. Yeah, that's He doesn't true. say, like, we're fucked! Yeah. He says, he smiles and says, like, I'm going to live and the captain's not, you yeah. know? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's extremely pragmatic and, like, I think the only time we see him scared is when Flint starts talking about yes. someone stole the page. The only person in this show that, or in this episode yeah. that makes Silver afraid is the moment that Flint. It's Flint. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, what um, else? Should we talk about Flint? Oh, my God. I love his ponytail. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, <laughs> I also love, so I think... A lot of what is revealed about Flint we see in the boat ride with him and Billy. On the way back from Richard Guthrie? Yeah. 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 That's when we sort of see this aspect of Flint that's like, we obviously don't know much about him yet at all, 
But we do get the kind of sense that he is a lone wolf. Mm-hmm. He has nothing to lose. He has some fixation on this Urquidolima gold. But, like, he doesn't really seem to care that Richard Guthrie is hurt, except for the political ramifications. Mm-hmm. When he first meets Billy, he goes, who's Billy? Yeah. Like, he doesn't really care that much about his crew. He's obviously friends with Gates, but he's also not telling Gates everything. So he seems to be pretty lonely. Yeah. At this point. That's definitely true. He also is like... Flint has to do so much in this episode. Mm -hmm. He bears so much weight of the plot and the storytelling and the beginning of, like, what this whole show is about. Right. And the Um, whole treasure story and why it's important. Yeah. But he also, he represents, or he, he, he acts out the difference between what we expect pirates to be and what, and what the man is actually like. Like there's something about that first scene when Singleton is like telling all the, is threatening all the crew and he's holding up the, but the pirate, the captain's been strung up and he's about to Mm -hmm. do this show of violence. Mm -hmm. And Flint clearly just does not care about that. But he's, he's willing to beat the pulp out of Singleton. Well, it's because it's what the captain says. He says, you can't tell them to stop can you yeah he has no control he has no control but he also he he you're right that he doesn't really like care what happens he cares about the politics he cares that singleton is getting more votes he doesn't like care about the people necessarily right he keep he'll play the politics but i Mm -hmm. feel like in that moment there's like he knows he he i mean he, he clearly gets how much the appearance and visibility of leadership and the captainship is important to keeping it and is important to keeping power over the crew. But he's losing power over the crew in those mm-hmm. three months and in that moment because he's not out there like Singleton is. Yeah. Like, he clearly doesn't like the showboaty, piratey captain part of it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Which is which is different, I feel like, from what, like, Singleton, who's, like, the first real pirate... We see, like, other than Gates, I guess, mm-hmm. like, speaking and walking around and being threatening. And yeah. it's like he's so piratey and he's so, I like. Know. I actually, I, I read that down. I don't love the casting of Singleton because he seems like such an obvious bad guy. And, yeah. like, it's pretty clear that he's going to lose. First of all, because we know it's Captain Flint. Yeah. And second of all, he just, like, there's no nuance to him. He's just, like, got all the scars and wants to hurt people yeah but that's another aspect of the show that i like they obviously knew that and so they aren't dragging it along what you said earlier about how all the characters in this show are so smart and they move the plot along i mean just that little moment that i didn't even totally catch at the very beginning or the first time i watched it of flint having laid the feather trap for silver in Mm -hmm. the in the captain's log so that he would know if someone got through the stuff i mean Maybe that's not the best example, but there's just, there's already in this episode examples of everybody already planning for their plan B and C. Yeah. I mean, it's, so not only did he plant a tiny feather to catch if someone was looking for the book, he also then saw someone has looked for the book. That means somebody has the page. 
and they are on this boat, and they know what the page means. Therefore, I can now fight Singleton, kill him, and draw Billy and the crew support into my plan, while meanwhile, I figure out <laughs> where the actual page is. You know, like, he figures out so much in that one moment. That's not just, like, somebody looked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. thinks, he makes an entire plan. Mm-hmm. He makes an entire plan out of that one single moment. Yeah, yeah. I love when he gives that paper to Billy. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome, and it's like, it, it is such a black sales moment. Yeah. It is exactly like, as during that scene, I was like, oh, yes, this is what I love about this show. It's yeah. like, you know what's running through Billy's mind. You know what's running through Flint's mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's a hard moment because yeah. you, you know, I'm also sitting here after having watched four seasons of the show thinking, God, everything would have been different if Billy in that moment yeah. had said, Flint is lying yeah. to all of us. Everything would have changed. <laughs> everything would have changed. Yeah. And I was thinking, it's like, I wonder why he doesn't give it to Gates. And then I realized, well, that's because the crew could still doubt him. Yeah. Because Gates is so closely tied with him. Yeah. But by giving it to Billy, he just automatically draws everybody into it. And how do you think he knows that Billy is going to go along for it after the, like... I think that he could tell that Billy was convinced when he said, it's not, there's a war coming. And it's not just one ship. It's civilization. And they are going to make us monsters. Because they, oh, what did he say? He said, they think people who keep what is theirs and fear no one are monsters. And that's what pirates want to be. And Billy knows that's what the men want to be and why they follow Flint. I think that that totally swung him to realizing, like, because I think that in some sense, at least in this episode, Billy is aware of how he doesn't know a lot about tactics and strategy. I think he seems fairly new to piracy in some ways, so that having the Captain Flint tell you there's something coming that has never been seen before, and I'm the only one who can get you through it, mm-hmm. I think that that's convincing to him. I think Billy's character introduction is really good. Yeah, Billy, watching this ep- this show, you could really think that Billy is the protagonist of the show. Oh, because yeah. he's 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 the greenest one, and he's the one who mostly is getting, like... Even Silver, like, is, is you know, it's we see Nassau for the first time through Silver's eyes. Yeah. And, uh, and even Flint, to some degree, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not for the first time. But, but, yeah, Billy is such a... He gets to really see the, like, Flint the negotiator. And yeah. then Flint the, the, like, inspired leader. And then Flint the manipulative mm-hmm. captain. You know, mm-hmm. he, is, he gets a first row seat to that whole thing in this episode. Yeah. It's awesome. And the moment when he introduces Silver to Randall and he says, oh, by the way, nobody here gets special treatment. Just yeah. so you know, everyone gets the same food. Oh. I was like, that's Billy. Yeah. Just that one light, we know exactly who Billy is, what he values, and, like, what his motivations are. And also that he's like, this guy's got to grow up a little bit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, 
I don't think it's because I've watched the rest of the show or whatever, but there's no. something you hear him say that and you're like, that's not how it works, Billy. Like we've seen, we, we've yeah. seen enough to know, like, it's yeah. not all, all's not fair. And like, yeah. there's not a great clean system for everything, you yeah. know? He's very idyllic. He yeah. wants things to be equal and he wants everybody to tell the truth and support each other and be nice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, that already like gestures at like the main, like some of the main thematic questions of the show, which is questions of civilization Mm -hmm. versus society and community. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, you know, you know, civilizations like that too. Everyone, it all just hangs on everybody Mm -hmm. hoping and pretending like the rules actually keep everything together you know yeah and like why and when that like the british soldier is the only one who comes in and speaks the truth and says like people are held in line by gossip yeah and like shitty shame yeah by shame by like shitty human emotions that everybody else takes advantage of yeah that's what keeps this all ticking you know yeah and billy thinks it's just like fair food for everyone (laughs) you know i don't know it's it's all it's that's not a clean distribution of like the conflict it's not that versus that but those are like these lines and these little interactions are already hinting at, like, yeah. that's what this show is about. I mean, there is a sense that, like, somehow these pirates can come together and can create a utopia yeah. in Nassau. Yeah. But the question is, whose utopia is it? And how do they get there? Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, so speaking of when he says they're going to make us monsters, I love in the fight scene how Flint's face gets covered in blood. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looks horrific yeah. by the end of it. He looks like a monster. I mean, the very first pirate we see is the one with the fangs. He yeah. looks like a monster. Yeah. They they look like monsters. Yeah. Singleton's scarred face everywhere looks like a monster. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean to you? That there is, I think especially in Flint, a sense of denial. Yeah. Of, I'm doing this for a specific purpose Therefore, any action I do, no matter what, is justified. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to the beginning and thinking about some other earlier stuff I want to make sure we talk about, too. That cold open mm-hmm. and the um, uh, on-screen text, Yeah, uh, it's, it's not commonly used in the show. No. And it sets a weird tone, actually, for the show. Like, it, it actually it got my my heart pumping when I was yeah. watching it. But now, like, at, we're at the end of this episode. It's, like, so, like, the way it's, it sets up the, like, the war against the world yeah. statement. And it's, like, you know, this episode didn't need that. No. Um, it was much more effective to hear Flint say what he thinks it is. Yeah. As opposed to the on-screen omniscient narrator telling us, like, the pirates have declared war against the world. It's like, no, it actually seems like they're good. Yeah. Except they, for Flint. Really, <laughs> right? Well, that's, I wrote that down, actually. When he said there's a war coming, I wonder if it's England, England's war that's coming, or is it Flint's war that's coming? You know, how much of this is really a self-fulfilling prophecy by Flint? Mm-hmm. Something to watch for. <laughs> the other thing about the very beginning is that that fucking theme song is oh so good. Oh my god, Bear McCreary is amazing. He also does the music for Outlander. It's not as good. The show's not as good, but the I music, mean the music is, is, is very, not as good. I love the music of Outlander. Oh. If you like bagpipes, listen to it. Um, he also does music for Agents of Shield. Oh yeah. And he did music for Battlestar Galactica. Huh. So, he's a very talented man. And there's a little video. 
I think on his website, that's like a making of, of the theme song. That's really interesting. I really recommend it. Um, it's just, he basically got together with some guys who actually know pirate shanties. <laughs> like they do that for a living. And, uh, and he just talks about the musical choices that he made. It's really, yeah. it's good. It's of all the little bits and pieces of the show that I, I don't know how TV shows are made. Like at what point the theme song and all that opening no animation idea. is made. If it's made months before the first shot of the show, if it's made yeah. a week before it hits the air, I have no idea. But it's one of those parts of the show that like really nailed it yeah. out the game. Really nailed Cause it. Because it's like, because <laughs> it's ominous yeah. and kind of exciting, yeah. but also like, uh, it's not Pirates of the Caribbean, like, mm-hmm. um, what's the word? It's not like swashbuckly. There's there's parts of it that are swashbuckly, but it's mostly ominous yeah. and um, tense. Kind of angry. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's angsty. I mean, it's a little yeah, angsty. Yeah, it's a little angsty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and that's like, it, I'm not saying the show is those things, yeah. but it sets the tone for like, um, I don't know, all the conflict that there is to come. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be clean. It's going to be a little, yeah. I don't know. I, a few other things that I just wanted to, because the point I'm out now before we get too deep into it, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of Treasure Island stuff happening already. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've, we've already gone like half an hour into this. Um Without mentioning that Captain Flint is a character in Treasure Island oh, that does yeah. not appear in Treasure Island, <laughs> yeah. he's a character that is only uh, that is only ever spoken of by other characters. Um, but it is the treasure of Treasure Island is constantly referred to as Flint's treasure. Yeah. So this is our Captain Flint. Mm-hmm. Um, they mention that Captain Flint and his crew sailed on the Walrus, so their ship yeah. is the Walrus, um, which we've never loved as a ship name. But what is Charles Vane's ship? The um, ranger. Oh yeah. yeah, it's just like it's just clear. One of those was made by. <laughs> yeah. Well, is the ranger because Charles? Okay, so that's the other thing. Charles, Charles Vane is a real pirate, and Jack Rackham and Anne Bonny are yes. all real pirates. Yes. Flint and Silver and Gates and Billy are all not. They're all Treasure Island characters. Is Gates in Treasure Island? No. Okay, so Gates is fictional. Yeah. Yeah. Max uh, is fictional. Max is fictional. Eleanor is fictional. I'm pretty sure. The Guthries are fictional? I'm pretty sure they are. You know what's not fictional? What? Lurka de Lima. Oh, really? It is a real... I, I was reading about this. It's a real Spanish galleon treasure ship. That's That cool. apparently crashed. Oh. It, like, the historical record just says that it something happened to it. Wow. So if you Googled it... I mean, you shouldn't Google it to spoil the show, but that's the historical record of the ship. That's cool. Um. So... That doesn't spoil anything for the show. No, uh, just I don't think just so. to no. that's what happened in history. But is that what happens in this story? Mm-hmm. Mm. That is actually something. If you if you know pirate histories or how they died or anything like that, it's not always true in the well, show. Well, that's a whole theme that we can unpack over the course of the I episodes know, that but we watch. I just want to give you a heads up that you're like, well, I already know what happens to these pirates. Why would I watch the show? It changes. Yeah. Sometimes. Is there any other? Um, Treasure Island stuff that they set up here? I don't think so. I think just the cook thing. Yeah, I mean, the cook thing is a little bit too winky it's for me. Cutesy. It's a little cute, yeah. I mean, he has to stick with it now. He has to be a cook now. <laughs> yeah. And it's also not, it's also just not clear at all whether he can cook at all. He hasn't oh, mentioned he whether he all. can or can't. Well, he hasn't mentioned okay, yet. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Spoiler um, alert. They, and also, he has both legs. Oh, and yeah. the most famous thing yep. about John Silver is that he has only one leg. Yeah. So 
what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it's a mistake that Vane and Jack and Anne are introduced in this episode. Mm. I think this episode is already packed to the gills. It is. Especially with Richard Guthrie. Yeah. Um, and, and just the whole Guthrie, yeah. like, dominion. Like, it's a lot to take in that Nassau is. is a pirate utopia that is secret to John Silver, where everybody's just passing around bottles of alcohol and, like, having orgies. Mm-hmm. That is also all under the control of this woman that is really maybe under the control yeah. of her father. Yeah. Like, it's just a lot to take in while also taking in Flint and Silver and the po- politics of what's happening yeah. on that boat. It is It's a lot. too much. And yeah. Vane, Jack, and Anne being introduced in this way. Anne trying to connect them to Singleton yeah. and the boat. Yeah. It's it's, it's a, a little lot. too much. It is a lot. Um, Like, you know, he uh, yeah. So I think that the character, that all three of those characters are underserved by yeah. the t- their, their introductions um, because... They can't help but feel like they're not going to be our main characters because right. they were introduced 40 minutes after Silver, Flint, and uh, even Eleanor and Max. Yeah. But they're not. They're really important characters, <laughs> yeah. and they're really good characters. Yeah, they are. Um, and they come in kind of late in the episode. So I feel like there's not enough to talk about with them. Yeah, even though fair. Even though Vane has this great scene with Eleanor. Yeah. Like, we need more space to let that breathe and, like, figure out what those characters are all about. Yeah. That's one thing. That's the only time that I do think Eleanor is powerful, actually, when Vane hits her. Mm. Like, she's she's a big enough threat that he needs to hit her back in front of everybody. And then he needs to extend a hand. Yeah. And then he needs to clear it up with her one-on-one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so um, I think we're going to release this on Thursdays. So we'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Bye. Wait, do we have any, are there any good lines that could be a sign-off? Sales! (laughs) No. Mm. Let's think about that. Okay. Okay. Bye! Bye. (laughs)